Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios of Silver Ranch on the campus of Nicolay Bible Institute. Um, and it's two ministries in one, actually a lot more than that. We have Nicolay Bible Institute hosted here at Camp Silbert Ranch, as many of you are aware of. And uh, we also have just down the road another location called the Wolf River Refuge. Um, and that's another place that you can stay right on the Wolf River Refuge, Wolf River. Um, yep. and so feel free to go to our website, silbertranch.org, and you can find a link to any of those ministries. Um, uh, but really we're here to provide a place and a space, uh, for you to change your pace and challenge your thinking and your relationship with God. So say Absolutely. that five times fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you can uh, come up and tell us that and we'll give you a, a lollipop or something. A lolly. A lolly. A lolly day. Yeah, just for you. You know, we were talking, if you listen to our past programs, and I hope you do, you can go to silverbridgeranch.org and find those. And if you um, if you were, we are talking about how we talk to kids about growing up in a confusing world. Yeah. Because the world is confusing, and it will always be. And it's not more confusing than it used to be. I mean, if your children were growing up in Rome during the time of Caesar, you know, you, it's confusing. Right. You've got a leader who might be killing Christians and making torches out of them, and that's got to be confusing. If you're growing up today in a in a place where there's a religion that's killing people that disagree with you and you know that's got to be confusing so you you actually grow up believing that you have to at least pretend to agree with those who have power. Yeah. You may never agree with them. You may never have a dialogue with them, but you have to at least pretend to. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is training people to live pretend lives. Mm. and and get into these little cloisters of quietness where they can talk about what they really believe in some kind of safety. And and rather than having honest dialogue, which we used to be able to have, honest disagreement, which we used to be able to have, mm-hmm. now it's like we have to destroy anybody who disagrees with us. Yeah, And I'm not sure how we got there. But one of the things that we talked about was really knowing the truth and living the truth and understanding and trying to communicate to your children that, um, the truth, uh, knowing God is the problem out in society. They don't know God so that because they don't know God, they try and come up with all these rules and regulations and things for life that are all different. Yeah. And that's confusing because if you set a rule in your family and somebody else has a different rule, it's confusing to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important that you're able to dialogue with your kids. And I think it's important that you dialogue with them face to face. Not, you know, don't email them things necessarily. Yeah. Uh, you know, talk to them. Um, and one of the things that you do tell them is, you know, if you really know the truth, there will be times where people just don't like you. Mm-hmm. And it's not your goal to beat them up with the truth. It's your goal to take a stand for the truth. Yeah. And people through time that took a stand for the truth, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, yep. Daniel, David, there's people who have taken a stand for the truth through history. The Apostle Paul, uh, you look at them, and what you realize is, okay, they, they did have some rough times. Mm-hmm. So it's not the rough times that make you abandon truth. It's realizing that, honestly, those rough times force people to think. For example, when, when Stephen was stoned, when you go back to Acts chapter 5, I believe it is, and is it 5 or 7? Anyway, when you go look yeah. at the story of Stephen, and Stephen does exactly what God wants him to, and the people get gather around, and the Bible tells us they stopped their ears, they gnashed their teeth, they started getting mad. Now, now if we think about it, he's doing everything God wants him to. 
Yep. He's saying exactly what God wants him to, and the people are rejecting him. Now, the Bible tells us that Stephen then looked up into heaven while they were stoning him, and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and I don't think the stones mattered after that. He was gone. He did what he should have done. He listened to God. We want to be like Stephen. Now, that's a great story to tell kids. The thing we have to tell them, though, is it's not unusual for people who don't know the truth, who, who hate the truth because it challenges their life, to get mad at the messenger mm-hmm. of the truth. And, and you need to understand that. The thing is, in that crowd with Stephen was a guy named Saul. None of us will know what Saul was thinking. Yeah. But the, the Bible tells us that they were laying down their coats at the feet of Saul. Now, what that meant was Saul was the big shot there that was kind of approving the stoning. Yeah. So Saul was in on the stoning of somebody who Jesus was honoring. I promise you this. Saul had some kind of thoughts going through his head. Yeah. You know, I don't know what they were, but, but he was thinking something as Stephen died. He was probably watching Stephen. He probably saw him look up. He probably saw a look on his face that was confusing to Stephen. So here Stephen's looking up. They're stoning him. Stephen's talking to God. And it seems like the stoning was minor in comparison to what Stephen was seeing. Yeah. Now, the thing we want to portray to the kids is the stone still hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, that. don't worry about that. What you're concerned about is living rightly within the truth Stephen didn't do anything intentionally to make people mad at him he just gave the message that God gave him to give and it was very specific here's what you say yeah so that was very specific but later on you got to look at what happens to Saul he's on the road to Damascus and God strikes him with blindness Hmm. he too now looks up Only he doesn't see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. He only hears God, and he can't see anything. Mm -hmm. Different. It's a contrast. His is terrifying. Where, where, you know, Stephen's was not. Mm -hmm. But Saul's is terrifying because he doesn't know God. But the whole purpose of it was to bring him to God. And eventually Saul turns into Paul. So in reality, what we're, we're, we're teaching our children with a story like that is, you know, there are times. Now, Stephen was not 10 years old. So there were times where Stephen just enjoyed life, went fishing with her. I mean, just normal. Mm-hmm. But when God told him to take a stand, he took it. Yeah. Because he knew God. And once again, we go back to the factor of you need to know God. How do you get kids in your house? You have different ages, so you have different abilities at yeah. this point. Um, how do you get them to want to know God? That's that's a good question. You know, I think I think a lot of it is is dialoguing about it. You know, it's living it and talking about it. I think that's the biggest thing, uh, making it part of your everyday life. It's not just a you know, a Sunday thing when you go to church. It's not just a, a compartmentalized thing. If you really want your, your children to know God, um, I think you need to be willing to talk about God, you know, and even even include them, I mean, based on their age, and we're even realizing this with our oldest son now, um, who's at a point where we, he could be a part of more discussions, is inviting him into discussions where 
we're dialoguing or even making decisions um, in that sense. So they can see and, and, and understand it. Right. You know. Um, well, maybe expanding your word usage, too. I mean, sometimes it, our thought process works, but we're not allowing our thought process to be seen. Right. Absolutely. So I might say something like, well, that's not right. Well, okay. Now, now think of what he just heard. Dad is saying that's not right. Mm-hmm. Where I might expand a little bit and go, you know, if you really understood God and you understood the way he made things, that wouldn't work. Yeah. Now, I, I just said that's not right in a different way. Mm-hmm. Now, I said it in a way that expands it to the point where now my child sees the reasoning behind what I said was because I know God. Yeah. Not because I have an opinion on something, because every single person in the country has an opinion on something. (laughs) And that's what they've learned. Oh, totally. So eventually, I promise you, if they think mom and dad are just full of opinions, Mm -hmm. eventually they put you in the category of, I just need to placate their opinions. Yeah. So that I can keep peace, but I can have my own opinions, and opinions are just what you own. And whatever makes me feel better, I'll do it. We have to teach them that it's not about just feeling better. Mm-hmm. And that's the Apostle Paul. And Apostle Paul, in, again, First Thessalonians 3, he said, For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. We told you this. Yeah. W- one of the interesting things about the Apostle Paul is that he brought the, the spiritual battle and the spiritual world into the reality of real life. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anybody that does it better than he does as far as just this is real and because it's real we fight and he says to the people of thessalonica you know we kept telling you beforehand there there are people when things get rough there are people that abandon the faith Mm -hmm. the apostle paul was saying no we told you we told you this is a real war yeah it's a real battle and in a real war in a real battle guess what happens there's real injuries Sorry, that's, that's what happens. Yeah, 100%. Um, once again, uh, you know, we've talked to our audience that this year my family's gone through cancer. And, and as we, we've gone through cancer, I remember um, one young person coming up saying, I can't believe that God would allow you to have cancer. Why do you think he did this? Mm. And I looked at him and said, why not? Yeah. This is a world in which we live where people get cancer. This is a world where people get the flu. They get COVID, I guess. They, they get, you know, chicken pox. They, this is a world that has consequences involved in it. And, and we're not free from the consequences of life. Mm-hmm. i tell you what I am free from. I'm free from the worry of what that'll do to us. Mm-hmm. But I'm not free from getting it. I'm going to get colds and flu and we're going to get cancer and we're going to get heart disease and we're going to get all kinds of stuff. That's because we're human and that's what happens to us. Yeah. And when you say that, the child just kind of goes, oh, I guess that's true. Yep. Yeah, it is. So your concept of God, once again, we go back to the concept of God. Your concept of God is if you love God and you do what you should, you won't get cancer. Who in the world taught you that? Yeah, where does that come from? Yeah. Yeah. So even, I'll bet you, I'll bet you that even your kids think in those terms. Yeah. So the, the question, again, for a parent is, how do you get them to think correctly? Yeah. So when somebody has cancer, you pray for them. You know, um, you, you, 
you know, you spend time with young kids praying aloud so they can hear what you're asking God. You know, you'd love God to heal because he could, but what, what if he doesn't? Mm-hmm. How do you pray then? Yeah. Let him hear you pray. Let him hear what you're saying. Let him see a broken heart. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Let him see a joyful heart. That's okay. Right. You know, the more you can include your children with you in real life situations. Um, recently, you put in a new fireplace. We did, yeah. yeah. And you have a few issues that you're trying to work out. Yep, yep. You know, when if somebody comes to your house and works on it, I would suggest your oldest son be with you when he does it, if that's possible. Right, right. Why? To see how you handle conflict, how you handle. These are important moments, believe it or not. Yeah. How do you handle it when somebody doesn't do what they should do? Mm-hmm. You've paid for it. How do you handle it? Yeah. Um, I know more than once my dear wife has gotten on me and said, you got to settle down. <laughs> she's watching me handle something oh that's funny you know so it's like okay and my kids my kids now because they're older they'll just nod and grin like yeah or, dad or roll their eyes or, or say to my wife don't let dad do that yeah in other words I, i'll say oh, i'm gonna go talk to this guy and one of them might pipe up and say mom don't let dad do that why don't you go do that <laughs> <laughs> Well, they've learned through life that there's some things that dad doesn't do quite as well. Yeah. And there's yeah. some things that, you know, mom is just more smooth on. Absolutely. Um, but one of the things I so appreciate about the Apostle Paul and all the writers of Scripture is they tell you that the truth that you know is going to make you free. Yeah. And that freedom is going to be costly. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like um, the, the veterans of our, our nation, those who have given their life for war uh, in, in battle, you know, there's a cost to the freedom that people have. Absolutely. And we forget the cost. Right. And and there's a cost to embracing the truth. Those who do not embrace the truth, they're not going to like you. Yeah. If they choose, no matter what, that they're the final say in everything and God isn't, they're not going to like you because you're going to live in a way that demonstrates them wrong. Yeah. And eventually, they think the only way to get their message across is to get rid of you. Mm-hmm. And they can get rid of you by torture, by killing you, whatever it might be. Um, I would still suggest that all of you read anything that's put out by Voice of the Martyrs. Yeah. And that really, I, I think even with a nine-year-old son, I would start reading the magazine to him or let them read it and talk about it. Because what it does is it talks about children yeah. and people right now around the world who are doing what's right and getting beat up for it. Yeah. So it's like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. this is really going on i would i would have them read it and now it's not happening in our neighborhoods right now but it is happening around the world and and i know um i get voice of the martyr magazine i i think it's a free subscription it is, i'm pretty sure it is yeah. so you can just sign up for it just type in some google voice of the martyr or something and you can yeah. go in and you can get that and and i'm telling you i think those are the real stories to read to kids yeah. Um, I think the idea that the book that we've written on My Shepherd is a, is a book to read the kids and talk to them, have them read it to their friends, whatever it might be. Because it just talks about Psalm 23 and the idea of my responsibility to stay near the shepherd. So now you can talk about that in a real world context if you want. Uh, you can go to our website and see how to get one of those if you'd like. But the bottom line really is there has to be a, something in place that starts telling children all right, let's get through all the confusion, all the fog. 
this world isn't about you just being comfortable. This world isn't about you just always being happy that that's not what it is. Um, let's talk about what it really is. Right. And you won't be confused at that point. Yeah. And I think that's that's the key. And, and the word that we've said over and over again, let's talk about this word, I should say phrase, is, right. you know, and I think that's what we're not doing. You know, I think we're afraid um, of maybe even the consequences of that. But like like we've been talking about this whole episode, you look at Paul, you look at David, you look at Daniel. Like Daniel knew that if he continued to pray, that there was a good chance that he was going to get, you know. Dead. Dead. <laughs> yeah. And yet he this wasn't didn't. just, this was dead. You know, and I think a lot of us are afraid of that. You know, one of the one of the things that stuck in my head, Dave, a few weeks ago within our staff, you shared a, a clip from Vadi Bachman. Right. You know, and it, pretty much what he said is that, you know, in our in America, there's no other thing that he can think of outside of Christianity where we do this, where you could be a Christian for 30 years and then somebody who asks you something. And, and our response is, oh, I'm not a preacher. Right. You know, right. I, I, you know, don't ask me those questions. Right. You know. But if you were a plumber, Dave, for 30 years, and I asked you that, and you'd oh, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm not a plumber. It would be silly. Right. You know, and I think that, that somewhere along the way, Satan has put it within the realm of our minds where we cannot, for some reason, think that we can be a, at a point where we can give answers right. based on the truth. Right. And I would say that, that we have to acknowledge the fact that, you know, whoever's listening, you don't have to be Dave. You don't have to be Jason. You don't have to be whatever your pastor's name in, you know, insert their name. You can be you and you can have the information and know the information that your pastor does, that I do, that Dave does. And that's the information that God wants you to know. You can be the same um, at the same point as as even Paul and David. Right. You don't have to be the supernatural person. You know, that's that's the beauty of what Jesus did on the cross. There's so so much significance to the fact that the veil was torn. You know, we have direct access to God and we can learn the truth, live the truth, know the truth and pass that along. And I think oftentimes we hold ourselves back because we don't think that's our job. That's our pastor's job. Right. But no, it's not. It's our job. You know, just like we've talked this whole episode, how do I as a dad, as a father, pass that on to my my kids first and foremost but then even those around me right and that's what we have to start doing that we're not doing in our in our in our in our everyday life yeah i can only dream about a day where all the plumbers electricians politicians or people that know the bible just as well as their pastors do right and then all of a sudden people are talking and you know the truth mm-hmm. uh, you know i think though it, it, this this represents a bigger issue uh, yeah. that we've let happen somehow somehow we allow schools to dictate what education is yeah we don't do that anymore we leave it to the professionals quote unquote professionals yeah now yeah. here's what i would suggest jason you and your wife are responsible for what your kids learn absolutely and so when they come home, whatever they're learning, you're responsible. If they're not learning, you're responsible. You're actually responsible for your kid's education, mm-hmm. not the school. Right. And I would not consider the school to be responsible for it. You are. Mm-hmm. Choose a school that your children will get educated the way you want them educated in. Right. You know, I mean, that's your choice. If not, you can educate them yourself, I guess. But likewise, that happens in the church. Yeah. So all of a sudden now, I'm not responsible for education. I'm also not responsible for my spiritual education for my children. Yeah. Well, who is? The youth director. The pastor. Really? 
it's the church that needs to give my my family opportunities. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I, I always looked at the church as a structure that allowed us to work within. Right, right. Not the thing that gave us the opportunities. Yeah. But a structure where we could come together as a body of Christ. We could pool our resources. We could do things and have our family do things within the context of something. Yeah. Um, once again, it's the parents who are responsible. Uh, likewise, um, what you just said, you know, evangelism. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, got, I need to bring people to church so they hear the gospel. Well, why don't you give it to them? Right. Yeah. Why don't you live in a way where you give it to them? Well, I'm not. No, you know the Bible. The, the pastor isn't going to use any verses you don't know about and you can't use. You know, when we start relying on, quote, the professionals to take care of all the important stuff in life, then we're, we're losing the dynamic of the personal relationship, and that's not how it was created. In fact, when, when I, in a broader base idea, when you talk about church, you're actually talking about believers. You're not talking about unbelievers. Hmm. And so to yep. have a church set up for unbelievers is not the church. When you have right. a bunch of unbelievers in a room, that's no longer the church. Mm-hmm. That's a building we call the church. Right. Now, I'm not against having special meetings. I'm not against special emphasis. I'm, I'm just saying that's not what it is. The responsibility for evangelism lies with me and my job. Mm-hmm. The church's job is to take the body of Christ yeah. and work with the body of Christ. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and it's because of that that the other day when my son came home wanting to know if he can bring his Bible to school, I was delighted. You know, because then he asks us questions like, Dad, could you, could you, can I ask you a question so I can, so I can explain it, you know? And to me, like, that's, that was the bread and butter. Exactly. Because that's exactly what we just talked about is, is that he wanted to grow his understanding of who God was so that he was able to turn around and share who God is to somebody who doesn't know God. Right. As a nine-year-old. Right. You know, and that's that's the beauty of it. And that's that's what we as adults need to go back to. It's not like, oh, I need to bring them to church. It's us going to whoever it is saying, I need to learn this just as much as you so I can go and show them who God is. Right. But we've lost that. Yeah. You know, and I think if we were to do that, it would transform the landscape of our culture. Oh, it would. You know, it would. That's personal responsibility. Yeah. And and what's 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 really interesting about that, too, is. You're dealing with a nine-year-old, and I have said so often, if you actually are a teacher of the Bible, you mm-hmm. should make it clear enough so an eight-year-old can understand it. Yeah. I believe all the principles in the Bible can be made so that eight-year-olds can understand the concept. Mm-hmm. Now, all the details, I think you could ponder the rest of your life right? and, and not actually grasp them all. For example, I think an eight-year-old can understand that God created the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. How he created all the different kinds of birds, I have no idea. That's what you could ponder the rest of your life. You could get lost in that thought. Right. And you could take an eight-year-old and have him totally lost forever in that mm-hmm. thought. Yeah. However, you, you don't get them lost in the thought of, in the beginning, God created. Mm. And uh, you've heard me speak to them, Jason. You know, I always keep it simple. It's like, no, oh, God yeah. loves you. There is a God. You sin. You're separated from him. Hey, let's go to find his solution. It's Jesus. Let's let's have that. Now let's go from there. Right. You know, I mean, this is not stuff that's rocket science stuff. This is stuff that normal humans can understand when they're eight years old. Right. And they cling to it. I mean, I cannot tell you, Dave, and I know you told this before, but this is my son's first time, you know, camping. I cannot tell you the amount of times my son has 
pulled out his camp booklet okay. this year. You know, whether it's to look at something he learned or to look up a song that he sang, you know, why? Because he wants to continue to live that and to know it, you know, and that's the amazing thing. Like if we could take that and bottle it up and do that as as adults, like if we were to have that same energy and excitement as adults to be like, man, I just want to learn more. That's what we need. Right. You know, well, that's what we're losing. You just said a mouthful there. There, There's a, again, the educational process. Yeah. Give the, give them a booklet. Right. Why? Half of them will throw them out. I right. know that. I'm going to find them scattered on the ground at camp at the end of camp. I know right. that. But give them the booklet. Why? Because if 10% of them, if 5% of them take it home and do something with it, you still have 5% of them that have a place to go back and check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's important to be able to do. Absolutely. You know, I, I would just encourage people, you need to... The, the the one saying that keeps coming to my mind over and over again is love God and do it in public. Mm-hmm. In other words, I make no apologies for my love, my understanding for the Bible, for God. It, I don't make any apologies for, you know, being married, being committed in marriage, loving my wife, loving my kids. No apologies for what's right. Live in a way that demonstrates the fact that you know what's right. Uh, I still think one of the most impactful things to my kids growing up is seeing dad every day with a Bible open reading it. Mm-hmm. I think that there's some, something lost in that today. If, Like today I read on my iPad. Yeah. I think if my kids were growing up, I would not be reading on my iPad. Right. I would have a Bible open. Yep. Because on the iPad they could think, oh, he's browsing. Yep. You know, and, and again, that's the kind of thing where you're loving God in public. Mm-hmm. So... I think there are times where you're you're not saying this is most convenient for me, but this is my best opportunity to teach. Yeah. And if this is my best opportunity to teach, I don't want to blow it. So take out a Bible, open it, put it on your lap. Let them see you mark it up. Mm-hmm. Let them see you use a Bible so much as you mark it up that you need to get a new one. Yeah. You know, and, and let them hear you talk about when you get a new one, what kind of new one, why do you want a new one, what what version, what's the differences in version. You know, eventually this becomes a part of your everyday life yeah, and everyday discussion. And, and they become people who know God because they're just living in your home. Mm-hmm. And, and to live in your home means that they're going to get a huge dose of who God is right. on a daily basis and, and how to live. And if that becomes the normal then anything outside of that to them will be abnormal and they'll want to bring it into the realm of the normal mm-hmm. somehow. Right. And that's where you really work with them because they can lecture other people. That's not going to work. They could. That's where you start talking about some methods possibly because they're going to want their friends to agree with them. Mm-hmm. I tell you, the best thing to do is have their friends over to your house yeah. and have their friends observe a good marriage, a home, and the stuff that your children observe and then all of a sudden they'll have their own questions and they go home to chaos. Yeah. And so uh, open your doors, let them in, love God and do that in public. Right. And and do life together. Because when you do life together, that's then, you know, the add-on then is, oh, by the way, we have to go to this today. You want to come with. And, right. And it's not, that's not the reason you're inviting them, but it's part of your life that you then invite them to youth group or to church or to camp is because there's already life being happening that, that you're showing them who God is. And then that's the add-on. You're not just inviting them just to camp, right. you know, to have them share the gospel right. or, or whatever it is. But hopefully this, this has you thinking outside the box um, 
about even challenging your own life on how you could live out your faith in public. Um, because I think that's what we need to start doing and being willing to ask questions. But unfortunately, we're out of time on this episode of Younger and Older. I encourage you to tune back in, uh, go to silverchranch.org, download this podcast and others. But for now, this is Jason and Dave. Take care. See you next time. Bye-bye.